Welcome everyone to a new episode of the CineSurvey podcast. I'm Melissa Ramos. And I am Marty Ibarra. And excuse our long hiatus, as the saying goes, life just happens, but we're back now with a new, revised, refreshed, and re-energized show for you all. And moving forward, we'll be discussing a new topic or quote-unquote theme for each season of the year. So for summer 2019, we decided to focus on Steven Spielberg and his classic blockbuster movies. And to kick off the summer season, we're starting with Jurassic Park. Welcome back to the CineSurvey Podcast. Welcome back to our Jurassic Park episode. Marty, do you remember your first experience watching this movie? As a kid or maybe as an adult? I don't know. Not really. I mean, um, I, I was definitely young, and um, I watched it with my family. So I'm pretty sure it was one of those family movie nights, because this film came out in 1993. I don't think we went to see this in the theater. Um, if we did... Yeah, I mean, how old were you? Like four? So I was four at that time, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I don't really remember going to do that. I'm pretty sure the first time I saw it was, you know, one of those family movie nights. We had, like, a big screen TV those old school like tall like thick <laughs> big screens yeah, tubes yeah so um i'm pretty sure it was one of those nights and it was an instant favorite for me um just because i was at the time i just thought it was so fascinating to see these dinosaurs and they look so lifelike you know yeah yeah the graphics actually hold up pretty well i think on um, rewatching it you know absolutely and that's that's something we'll get into a little bit here yeah but how about you um i can't really remember obviously i was like three when it came out so definitely don't think i went out to the theater (laughs) to watch it and even if i did i don't remember i want to say i watched it on the tv maybe they were airing it yeah sometime in my youth yeah (laughs) um yeah uh, I Seen watched it. a lot of movies that way, I think, you know, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, I just gravitated towards it. It's just a crazy idea of, um, you know, dinosaurs walking among us and yeah. and all that. And obviously like, the horror elements to it mm-hmm. I think add, add to all of that. So yeah, that's all I can really remember about it. I obviously watched it more as I got older. Right, seen you revisit it a thousand films, times. Yeah. This one in particular, too. Yeah, I mean, I think Spielberg. Um, this is one of those films that you classify as like the typical, like archetypal, fun, adventurous, you know, um, Spielberg films with with some of his other favorites. So, yeah. um, I think this is probably my personal favorite of those. Actually, is um, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of a lot of his films, but I think this is the one that I've probably seen the most of his. Um, for a lot of the reasons you just talked about, I mean, the, especially the horror uh, element to it. I'm a horror film fan myself, um, as you are too, I know, mm-hmm. but I, I just, for some reason, this is one that I always went back to. I think it was the dinosaurs, the horror, the the, the fantasy idea to it. Yeah, um, fantasy, definitely. So, yeah. So, so um, do you know a lot about the production now? 
Well, yeah, we I've done a little bit of research leading into this uh, episode because <laughs> I don't know much. <laughs> trying to, I, mean, I don't uh, even know who was a cinematographer. Which yeah, we, we got they notes. did amazing. We yeah. got we got notes on all that. Well, walk so, us through that, or more importantly, walk me through that. <laughs> all right, um, Jurassic Park again was released in 1993. It was on June 11th. Um, it was budgeted at 63 million. And it ended up making about $47 million opening weekend. First week was $78 million. And um, so what I, what I did see online is domestically it grossed $402 million. That's about as much as I know in terms of the financial side of things. Yeah. Um, obviously, that's a ton of money. Yeah. Um, and I know in the 90s, it was like top 10 in the box office. I don't oh, know exactly yeah. what number it was. but You didn't adjust for... Uh inflation no i mean i could could probably find that but i'm not gonna do it right now (laughs) but um but yeah i mean in the 90s were such a you know a big decade in film um such an important decade and jurassic park is definitely at the top of that in terms of both influence in on cinema and also in in the financial side oh yeah absolutely so of course as you guys should all know if you're listening to this episode the film is directed by steven spielberg he actually says that he made the the film with his childhood fascination for dinosaurs in mind. Um, Did you have that fascination when you were growing up? Not so much, I wouldn't no. say. But I do think that this film sparked something in me, at least to be drawn to this film. Uh, yeah. I, I don't necessarily think that I ever, you know, sought out books on dinosaurs or dinosaur mm-hmm. toys, aside from maybe Jurassic Park toys. Yeah, I want to say I had a brief moment where I was into mm. it, but I don't... So what was your favorite dinosaur? I, see, that's the thing. Like, it was very, so brief. Very, very brief. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I... don't uh, remember. Uh, I share <laughs> a favorite with Spielberg because my oh, favorite okay. was the Triceratops, and he apparently has the same favorite. So Spielberg has this fascination, and um, he's already uh, in, in touch with the writer of the book, Jurassic Park, Michael... I don't know how to pronounce his name. Michael Crichton, I think, is how you pronounce it. Okay. So the book isn't even released yet. He He's just talking to Michael Crichton. Well, so he asks Crichton, so do you have anything new coming up? Like, what's going on? And he mentions, oh, I, I'm writing this book about dinosaurs. And because he has that early fascination, Spielberg's, you know, mind has like an idea, like, excuse me, tell me more. Mm-hmm. And so, so began the process toward the film. So Spielberg starts drawing storyboards as the book is being finished it's not even finished yet he hasn't even read the book and he's already storyboarding Hmm. so it's it's a kind of an interesting parallel process that occurs uh, for both projects um do you know how close the film was to the novel no i don't unfortunately that would be interesting to know but uh, you know I, i do think that it was more so like this is what i have so far and um, it was just a continuation of updates and things like that. Mm, okay. Uh, another thing that was interesting to me is that Spielberg was shooting Schindler's List during the final mix of Jurassic Park. Oh, wow. So he's he's in Paris, and reels would be, like, previewed there, and he'd be, you know, then he'd go back to shooting for Schindler's List. Oh. To me, that's just insane. You're, you're shooting Schindler's List... And Jurassic Park, and you're still in post on Jurassic Park, two of like his biggest films. Yeah, so they're completely the opposite too. Yeah, like how do you go from such a 
I'd say in Jurassic Park is so light and fun, but I mean it is fun. Completely yeah. different vibe. <laughs> yeah, and couldn't be more this opposite. Horrible story. Yeah, um, tragic story. Yeah. Yeah. Just to recognize the cast a little bit, included are Sam Neill, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, Richard Attenborough, um, Sam Jackson, Wayne Knight, B.D. Wong. All I, I think a great cast, and something that's interesting is at the time, although we know who these names are now pretty well, um, back in that time, they were all like indie actors. They hmm. weren't the you know, most well-known blockbuster actors of the time. And, and I think that was, I think that came from the mindset of, Yes, this is going to be a fun, hopefully blockbuster movie, but it's it, it it's going to be necessary is to bring a certain gravitas to the the roles and to the performances, and I think these actors all brought that experience with them into it. Yeah, really love the the cast across the board. And Richard Attenborough is, I believe, he's a film director, but I guess his role was kind of written for him. He mm. would be. Um, Attenborough is, is Hammond, the, the creator of Jurassic Park. So, yeah. um, moving along. So, the way we're going to be moving forward with our survey episodes um, is we're going to essentially look at all the different elements to analyze the film. So, we're going to talk about story, we're going to talk about um, cinematography, sound, editing, and everything that you're seeing on screen so mise-en-scene so so sets um costumes you know locations uh, production design all the things that you can see physically on screen we're going to talk about those things and in this case in this film we have to talk about visual effects because this film changes the game for visual effects entirely mm-hmm. so we'll spend a little bit of time on that too um and yeah and in each film that we discuss we're going to cover all these areas to get a full picture of uh, you know as we analyze so to start, um, let's talk about story. So, the screenplay is written by David Kopik and Michael Crichton. Michael Crichton writes the book that's mm-hmm. being adapted, but he was also involved in the screenplay, again, which um, was an interesting process, um, having the storyboards being done as the book's being written. Um, a paleontologist named Jack Horner was brought on as a consultant, mm-hmm. um, and... Apparently, one thing that I took note of is, uh, in terms of authenticity, is that he is, and I think this is also not just in in terms of authenticity within film, but he's also, I think, a leading mind in in the paleontology world as well on this at the time, is that um, dinosaurs are more like birds than like reptiles. Mm, Right, they say that in the movie. Right, exactly, and it comes from him. Um, Mm. Apparently, in early... um, animation in the film there were some uh, se- sequences involving like you know lizard or like snake like tongue effects that the dinosaurs would do um and he saw that and immediately said no 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 they wouldn't do that because they're not reptiles that's mm-hmm. that's not the kind of thing they would do and so mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing to kind of have that involved in this film so okay so in, in anyways in getting back to the actual plot of this um, film, I have a couple questions mm-hmm. that I wanted to talk to you about yeah. because, you know, this is just, I think there's going to be a little bit of a fun debate. Um, do we classify Jurassic Park as a sci-fi, a fantasy, a horror? What do you think of when you, in trying to, trying mm. to do that? Hmm. Because I think something that, um, 
that that I think that this film gets labeled a lot as like a monster movie. And right. I'm not sure how I feel about that, especially in our rewatch before recording this because we watched this uh, like last week. I mean, it does have those elements, though, and that could just be like the horror side of it of like mm-hmm. it's just this big creature that's pretty much unknown to us mm-hmm. um, is coming around and terrorizing Right, even though we do see some of the beauty in the dinosaurs, mm-hmm. like the, is it the bronchiosaurus? Bronchiosaurus, yeah. Um, you know, that's just the vegetarian of, mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. of the dinosaurs, and it's an elegant and sweet in that sense, but tender, yeah, and tender. But we do see these, this monster, you know, the T Rex, mm-hmm. coming around and destroying things and eating people. But at the same time, like saving the day at the end of the movie, and so is the T Rex, yeah. The velociraptors are maybe the most monster-like in terms of, like, antagonist role, I guess you could, yeah. you know, because, but I mean... But I couldn't classify it as purely a monster movie at no, the same time, no. and sh- sci-fi is weird, even though there's science I mean, it is, in it. it is science fiction in the sense that it depends on the science of, yeah. of how we're bringing these yeah, dinosaurs back. Yeah, the fiction of using the DNA from that mosquito right. that was... Uh, preserved in the tree sap right right so there is that fiction with the science of it all yeah but it's hard for me to say i don't know i guess it's because i i naturally think of sci-fi i think of like space Mm, interesting you know when you say that to someone and it doesn't Mm. have to be that way either though it doesn't so it's it's kind of a blend it's interesting it is a blend yeah Um, the reason i don't think it's well I don't know. I guess it depends on how you look at monster movie because, like, you know, this film is it's essentially human beings bringing back dinosaurs for profit. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, our, it's like if you look at it in a certain angle, are humans the monsters, like, mm. in this sense? Because right. it's it's almost like, it, this almost feels a lot like King Kong to me. You know, it's like, okay, we, we show up on this island and there's these, you know, these big gates that you have to go through and... We, there's this there's these creatures these almost mythical kind of creatures yeah um that we are taking to profit from yeah to present to display mm-hmm. um so you know it's not necessarily like this monster's coming and just picking us Randomly. all off at random it's mm-hmm. i mean you know we created the monster we created them mm-hmm. and so because they're yeah. not purely dinosaurs <laughs> Either. Right, right. Or, That's true you know, too. And they have all that different DNA. Mutated. And, mm-hmm. So interesting um, thought there. Um, yeah, so um, we don't have to get too much in the story. I don't really want to like break down the entire film. Yeah, Y'all no. have seen the film if you're listening to this. Um, we just kind of want to. Yeah, this touch is on not different... that podcast. Yeah, no, oh. it's not. Um, but something I do want to talk about real quick in terms of the story is, for me, I think what I always remember about this film is the use of the velociraptors i think that's my personal favorite thing about the film is is the element of the raptors and Mm -hmm. the way this the film starts is shout out toronto raptors right right nba champs um (laughs) we're not raptors fans though guys um (laughs) so as the film opens the first thing we see is an immediate death right it's a raptor killing someone as he's being transferred from one cage to another Mm -hmm. there's immediate death when we start this film there's no hiding what we're about to encounter it's going to be 
tragedy essentially yeah, um, it's kind of letting you know what you're about to see yeah yeah, yeah. and so there's some it's just I, I found it really fascinating to see raptors in, in in that kind of role in that kind of villainous again you know antagonistic role almost um we're shown right away that the raptors are not to be trifled with yeah yeah and that scene in the kitchen with the kids it's like mm. one of the scariest ones yeah as a the kid that scene are... fucked me up yeah and the, the long nail <laughs> tapping yes. on the mm. kitchen and counter. like when it breathes on the little window on the door yeah some great mm. some great cinematic moments yes creative moments and yeah and we'll, we'll get into so like favorite shots because that's one that would fall in favorite shots for me but let's move right along then um unless you want to talk about anything else to do with story um no i mean the story is just so unique and it yeah. all kind of makes sense for some science that's made up yeah you know <laughs> like, yeah it, it does a good job at that and they do a good job at explaining all that mm-hmm. stuff i mean i love that they give you all the exposition Mm-hmm. Through a through a, a ride. ride, yeah, through a ride, something you would see at a theme park, yeah, kind and of, so yeah. it's kind of you're along the ride with them, so totally. it, it makes complete yeah, sense. Yeah, you have that and, thought, and like, wait, could this happen? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then yeah, and I love um, Jeff Goldblum's characters, um, Doctor Ian Malcolm, his comments throughout, you know, what is he like a chaos? Yeah, his chaos theory and all yeah. that. Um, Hammond is like, oh, I brought scientists. You brought a rock star, right? And yeah. So he's that guy, and he's yeah. like, like he's like, life finds a way. Line. I love that line. Oh and, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and and all those um, his commentary. It's like a. He's like, you see something. I forget the whole line, but he's like, you see this. I see a rape of the natural world. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just it's it's great comedy, but also like dark comedy because he's right. I yeah. Mean, if you really consider it, he's yeah. right. Um. So. All right, let's move right along then. Um, I We should touch on, as I said before, visual effects. I think that's the other most important area to look at with this film. Um, and so there was a debate at the beginning of the process here whether this should be... Well, I don't know if it was so much of a debate at first, but it was initially planned that this would be stop-motion animation. You know, they were um, going to be working with Phil Tippett, one of the best in stop-motion at the time, if not the best. And, uh, you know, adding, like, motion blur uh, Mm. to add realism. And he himself, I had um, learned, had been kind of calling for some more advancement within CG. But I know he, like, had his doubts. And he he and his team were really excited about the process. They were already building models, and that looked great. And um, it's interesting to me the way that that things move forward from there. Because it's almost kind of shady. But... At least that's how I see it. But mm-hmm. at the same time, there was no denying that they had to change once things happened. So over at um, ILM, um, Dennis Murin, who's um, an animator involved, he on his own aside works on a CG test of um, this dinosaur called Gallimimus. It's kind of like one of those like, kind of looks like a horse, but he's on two feet and he has this kind of like long, like almost fin like thing on top of his head. Mm-hmm. I think that's what the one I'm thinking of is. It actually might be more of like an ostrich-looking dude. I can't really remember. I'm not the best with dinosaurs, as I said. Mm-hmm. I'm not a dinosaur aficionado. Yeah. Anyways, um, he designs, he, he builds this um, animated sequence of a bunch of, like a herd of Gallimimus 
running across a still image of Hawaii. And it looks brilliant. And they're kind of blown away as he shows them. And so then two more um, employees from ILM, one a CG animator, Steve Williams, and a senior graphic supervisor, um, Stephen Fangmeyer, they do a essentially a skeleton of a T-Rex. And that blows people away. And mm-hmm. so then Spielberg's like, I need more realism. And so they build the skin and he's again in the environment of Hawaii and he's walking around and they're like, okay, we have to do this. This looks too real. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's interesting to me because it's like they had this plan to work with Phil Tippett, one of the best. Yeah. And these animators on the side are like, well, let's just do this on the side. And well, that's how you get your own, <laughs> you know? And they, they blew him out of the water, you know? And yeah. Then we had the groundbreaking film that we got. And the interesting thing is that these guys at ILM previously, they worked mm. on T2, Terminator 2, mm. um, the animation in that. They worked on The Abyss, which we saw, remember, mm-hmm. the water like going through midair and all that craziness. Um, so they were already doing some pretty groundbreaking stuff. And here's where it really took off. Yeah. But I just thought, you know, it's just kind of funny to me, man, like. Over on the side, they're just, you know, getting You gotta make those theirs. moves. <laughs> I'm proud of them. You're not surprised at all. You're no. not mad. No. <laughs> That's, I mean, isn't that what they tell you all the time? Yeah. Um, you know, especially in this industry, it's like you can't wait around to be given the opportunity. You kind of just have to take it. And Absolutely. I mean, the most creative minds are the ones that get the job, so. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, actually, one other quick note about this. The interesting thing is that this... Um, event, this change in history, um, actually uh, called for a change in the film, in the the story. Hmm. Originally, the ending of the film, spoilers if you really haven't seen Jurassic Park, I don't know why you're listening to this. Yeah, we got past that. Come on now. Um, Is, so we're in the the rotunda, I guess, um, in that in that hall at, at Jurassic Park with um, with the big T Rex skeleton, mm-hmm. and the Raptors are there surrounding the people, and so it was going to be um, Sam Neill's character, Doctor Grant, who was going to kill one of the Raptors, I think, and then um, something he, he was going to be actually killing them, I think, and what ended up being changed was the T Rex was going to comes in, and it's this whole like moving shot. Right, and so there's like fighting between him. I think one of them jumps on his back and he throws him off, and it ends with the wide of the T Rex and the banner for Jurassic Park falling in front of him, and he like does his big roar or whatever. Mm-hmm. That whole shot wasn't in the film before. It was mm-hmm. that whole part of the story. It was changed because of this advancement that we got. Oh, that's cool. So interesting that you know even in the story, this this change could really affect the film to that degree. I mean, yeah, Maybe it's one of my favorite shots you know it's kind of poetic yeah at the end and the whole fight scene between the t-rex and raptors is yeah crazy too yeah and to think it wouldn't have been there before yeah i was a little surprised it still ended that way though really yeah i was like well, well what now mm. the dinosaurs are just there yeah i mean i guess we're just letting them live <laughs> i didn't see jurassic park there's a jurassic park too right yeah the lost world yeah i can't remember seeing that one really yeah interesting yeah i've seen them all that one's uh, a little fuzzier than yeah than the others yeah that's dr ian malcolm that's like the lead in that one mm, okay anyways 
so let's move right along then. Let's move to cinematography. The cinematographer of the film is Dean Cundy. Dean Cundy has worked on films like Apollo 13, Back to the Future, The Thing, and Halloween, to name a few. Mm. Um, so do you just want to talk about some favorite shots in the film? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Okay, yeah, I'll go first. Um, yeah. One of my favorite shots has to be the... Well, there's... Okay, so there's a wide shot. Like, after the first time that they see... there's a, I guess in that sequence, there's a couple shots. So the first time that the paleontologists go out on the Jeep and they see the first bronchiosaur, um, they, oh, they, uh-huh. they get out... And there's this like low angle shot as they're like out standing mm-hmm. in front of them. And it's like a low angle behind them looking up. Yeah. And it's like there in the foreground. And then the background is this huge neck of the bronchiosaur. Um, that's got to be one of my favorite shots. And that was a shot that Spielberg came up with on the spot. He just had his little lens thing. And he's like, what about this? Mm-hmm. And they did that on the spot. Yeah, he does another low angle shot like that too hmm. later on after that one i forget what scene it is exactly makes sense that he was yeah he probably L- loved liked it yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and then right after that moment there they look to like their left and then there's like a whole couple herds of different um dinosaurs all at this like lake mm-hmm. and i just thought that's like a beautiful yeah. landscape shot of mm-hmm. this this beautiful island and these dinosaurs just living in this in this world together yeah it was a beautiful moment for me and mm-hmm. i love that shot yeah it's a good one what about you any any that come to mind um well you mentioned it already i think this is a raptor breathing in the window mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um i love that one mm-hmm. just because it adds um the steam on the window i don't yeah. know it adds mm-hmm. like more realism to it mm-hmm. and it's also like scary as fuck yeah <laughs> you know um, just breathing on a window yeah. <laughs> you know, became so horrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the horror elements. I mean, I like the whole, I can't remember specific shots, but like just the way it was shot, the whole scene of when they get stuck on, um, you know, when it pretty much all shuts down the park or the track that they're on within mm-hmm. their little Jeeps when mm-hmm. they're, and you know, you start seeing the vibrations of the water mm-hmm. from the t-rex mm-hmm. walking the, just those little moments that add the horror to it i like a mm-hmm. lot. for sure another one i really like is um when the when dr grant and the two kids are um up in one of the trees you know they like sleep mm-hmm. on the tree that night and like they, they're like waking up and you just see like they're up so high that you don't see the ground but you kind of see like some clouds and it's there's like a it's like dark, but there's still kind of a sunset going on. There's yeah. still some color. Mm-hmm. And you just see the necks of the bronchiosaurs, like a bunch of them just kind of like pop up. Yeah. And then yeah. there's like some, there's a lot of depth because you see some pretty far and then one pops up real close and yeah. love that moment and love that shot. It's such a pretty shot. What was the cinematographer's name again? Dean Cundy. So do you think Dean Cundy had anything to do with those like CGI shots? Hmm. Um, I wonder. Or is that like visual effects? Yeah, I mean, there has to be some kind of conversation because as a director of photography, he has to be involved in framing, composing yeah. these shots. So mm-hmm. I would say absolutely he has to be involved. Okay. Um, so moving right along, let's get into sound. Um, I don't have names of sound designers, unfortunately. Wow. Um, that's something I should have done, but 
you know, I was more focused on... No love for the sound team, huh? I do have a lot of notes on sound, though, so... Let's... Some of the best sound ever. Yeah, absolutely. And so first, it should be noted that Jurassic Park was among the first to use Dolby stereo with digital sound. Um, the first being Batman Returns in 1992, hmm. and another was Aladdin, also in 1992. <laughs> um, so I have some just notes on sound design that i just thought were awesome and yeah let's hear it fascinating so okay um i'm gonna butcher some of the names of these dinosaurs i don't you know i i I don't have to keep repeating myself i don't know dinosaurs um (laughs) so the um the first one well let's start with it with the t-rex yeah yeah so um the t-rex his roar is mainly an elephant baby (laughs) an elephant baby an elephant baby is it pitched of course, well, I I don't really know exactly how they edited yeah, it, it has but to, obviously, yeah, it has to be. But it has to be, yeah, because Aww. But yeah, if you Cute think little of little baby elephant, yeah, if, if you think about there is there's kind of a high pitch though to his roar. Uh, it's deep, but there's kind yeah. of there is kind of a higher pitch, and so I can kind of hear it. Um, the sound of when he's like, there's a you know like there's a moment where they're running away from this like herd of uh, in, in one of these fields and the t-rex pops out of the trees it's like daylight and he's just mm. picking one picking trying to get them and he gets one and he like kind of wiggles it around mm-hmm. um in his mouth the, that sound is actually one of the sound designers dogs just playing with a rope hmm. um <laughs> the um okay do i have anything more on t-rex the sound of his footsteps yeah. from far away those deep mm-hmm. loud sounds those are trees being cut down. Hmm. So like big trees and like falling. falling? To them. Yes, exactly. Okay. I think that offers a sense of scale and yeah. uh, location. I think being far away mm. that that allows for him to record it that far away. It helps. Um, but yeah, it was uh, redwood trees. And um, so another one, a raptor. Yeah. Let's move to raptor. Raptor is um, so they're. There's two sounds that I got. There's the the high scream when they're like attacking and stuff. That's mm-hmm. a that's a dolphin. Oh. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I, it's just they're using such cute animals. <laughs> you know, <laughs> for like the most like horrific monstrous Things, uh, yeah, creatures. Well, I mean, but it's like, kind of interesting though because dolphins are supposed to be very smart and 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 they talk and they work together right and yeah and don't they like commun? the raptors how do they communicate yeah they um i'm not really i don't remember to be honest with you oh man but they do they, and they work together they as pray a, differently i think mm-hmm. yeah and so as a, like a pack yeah um and um when they are talking to each other they do these kind of like i can't really do it but they do this <laughs> almost like grunt sound just try no i'm not gonna i know you're <laughs> begging to hear it but no i'm not gonna all right but it's um it's a walrus, like a low walrus. Oh, okay. That's yeah. A lot of people grunt. use walruses. Yeah. Walruses are pretty pretty common, pretty popular. Yeah. Um, I have another one. The, the, so the one, the dinosaur that you were talking about that like spits. Oh, um, yeah. What is it called? It's called the Dilophosaurus. I like those. I think those are my faves. Yeah, I have a... I have a Crazy. They pop. have like venom, right? A pop. Yeah, that spits out, yeah. yeah. I have a pop bobblehead of a Dilophosaurus. Yeah. Um... So when they're when so in the scene when Wayne Knight, um, you know Newman from um, Seinfeld, when mm-hmm. he's when he's out in his jeep doing his whole thing and he and uh, he sees the Dilophosaur, at first the Dilophosaur makes this kind of high pitched, 
call sound to him. That mm. that's a swan. Uh, a swan? That's a swan call. <laughs> Again with the on. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, when he gets mad and and the mane comes out and he spits, mm-hmm. so that's a combination of three different sounds. That's okay. a hawk, mm. a rattlesnake, mm-hmm. and a howler monkey. Howler monkey. All okay. blended together. I can hear those? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Pretty cool. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. Mm. Um, oh, Newman. <laughs> So another thing that I thought was very cool was to go back to something that you mentioned earlier mm. regarding the cup of water um, that you, that you see the ripple yeah, as, the, as the steps are coming forward. So we already mentioned the sound of the dinosaur walking is the redwood trees falling. Then it was an interesting thing. Um, Spielberg, when he was driving one day, um, saw his windows kind of shake in the car Mm. and so he was looking for a similar effect and actually in the film you get those that too in the film before you see the rings you see like window shake Mm -hmm. so he was looking for those um effects but to focus on sound the way that they were able to get the ripples it it took them a while and they they were having trouble getting that effect because it wanted they wanted like those perfect rings Mm -hmm. um it took a while, and apparently, like, the day of, Spielberg's like, do we have it? And he, the editor's like, or the recorder's is like, oh, yeah, we got it. And they really didn't. Um, it was, like, a last-minute thing that they figured it out on how to do it. It turns out it was a guitar str- being strummed. I think, I forget which string it was that may have been mentioned, but it's, like, a guitar strum. And that's mm. what gets the those ring of wave effects in the water. The sound effect? Yeah, the sound of a guitar oh. is what causes the ripple to occur. Oh, what? Yeah. That's crazy. The vibrations, man. Mm-hmm. That's what the sound is, isn't it? Yeah. Well, sound, is it particles mm-hmm. that bounce off of each other? Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah, makes a ton of sense. But it's just interesting that they yeah. could not get those perfect rings yeah. otherwise. Okay. Um, we do have to talk about music, I think, too. Yeah. Um. Real quick, so composed by John Williams, one of the most important and memorable symphonic film scores ever made. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, probably the most well-known theme of all time. I mean, uh, in the argument, at least. I mean, I don't know any any particular cues, cues? or anything oh, that really stand out to you. I don't remember. I know you probably have like three or four, but well, um, I mean, particular cues. No, I mean the theme song itself is uh, iconic. Yeah. I have to say, I, I can recognize John Williams' horns mm-hmm. always in oh, his, yeah. his music. Mm-hmm. Like, it all s- kind of sounds like Star Wars for a bit to me. <laughs> you know, I don't know why. Yeah. Um, but it, it is beautiful. I was listening to a little bit of it on the way over here. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, but I don't have any other, like, specific cues. So I don't think I was looking at the titles. The main one, when you when you say the main one, you're talking about the one with the helicopter and the waterfall and all? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would sing it, but I don't know. I'm allowed to. <laughs> so that would be, yeah, that main trumpet theme that you're talking about, I think. Yeah. Um, you guys know. Everybody, they know. Yeah, they all know. I don't know. have to say it. The other one um, <laughs> that I really like is when, again, the first moment that we see the bronchiosaur, the, the first time that the that Dr. Grant and um, gets out of the Jeep and sees them, uh, there's like a more melodic... Um, Sweeping. Yeah, kind of, kind of cue. And I think that... It just kind of offers a sense of how 
beautiful and magnificent and uh, these these creatures are and it's almost like something religious about it to me mm. you know mm-hmm. did they use they use harp don't they he uses the harp um i can't recall mm. it's possible okay if but, you have that feeling it probably used a little bit of the harp yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I think that in general, I just think that what this score does is also, and it's, it's I think it's true in a lot of John Williams scores, it, it builds upon the, you know, upon the believability of what we're watching, mm-hmm. especially in, in this fantasy kind of world and these, that these creatures are real, that this story is real. Yeah. These visual effects we're seeing are real. I think the music... Yeah, he enhances. doesn't force emotion on you. It kind of just um, reinforces what you've seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, let's move along to editing. Michael Kahn is the film editor. Michael Kahn is apparently Steven Spielberg's go-to guy. He's pretty much, from what I saw, literally worked on all of his films. Mm. I mean, I could name the films, but I'm, Raiders of the Lost Ark... Minority Report, Saving Private Ryan, Schindler's List, Catch Me If You Can, Bridge of Spies, wow. like all the Indiana Jones films, like wow, literally it's worked on like all of them. So yeah, <laughs> kind of a neat little thing I didn't know before. Um, I mean, it's a this film is really creatively told and structured, and I um, I don't know if there's too many like particular moments in editing that I could pull that I really love, but I mm-hmm. I do think that it's paced in in a perfect way to it is get the adventure to get the i can't think of a scene to drop out or anything like that that would make it flow better it all flows nicely maybe the opening raptor scene um you don't like that one no i'm saying because of how intense oh no i meant like um for something i really like to to, to commend i think it's it goes from like kind of regular paced opening to hectic to tragic moment to oh my god this guy's gonna die yeah. Um, I did also quickly think of the the scene where Laura Dern later on when they're trying to get the power back on in the whole um, island and um, in the park, and she has to run through to get to the controls, and the raptors are loose, and the the guy, the hunter guy that's helping her, um, he's like he knows that they're they're out there, they're hunting him. And he like he sees one raptor and he's got his sights and then there's like a raptor right next to him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't realize in that whole moment he's like clever girl when he sees her. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that moment too. How it's how it's cut together. Um, so uh, anything else in editing? No. Um, no, I mean I can't really. Yeah. Pick out moments. So let's just move know? to to mise en scène. Lastly, um, do you want to remind everybody what what that fancy word is? Yeah, it's it's just everything you're seeing on screen. So. You know, um, setting, production design, costumes. Is that a French word? Yeah. Maison-Saint? Maison-Saint. Yeah, we're probably <laughs> butchering that. Yeah. So this film is, if you didn't know, shot on the island of Kauai in Hawaii. Mm, Melissa's, Hawaii. Melissa's favorite. Uh, it's my favorite island, but I've only been to two. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> She's telling me she'll Out take me, two. but we, she hasn't done that yet. No, it was crazy. I mean, when I went, when I did go visit Kauai, I remember driving around with my sister and Mm. having that feeling of this feels like i'm in jurassic park yeah you know so later on when i googled it and did some research on my own i was amazed that it was actually shot there yeah it's just it's crazy 
It's, it, it's it so looks tiny, right? It's just like it does in the movies. Yeah, all the trees, all the green. Yeah, just the greenery, the, mm. the you know the wide space, the mm -hmm. mountains mm -hmm. in the back. It was beautiful. Mm. Yeah. I would love to go. Yeah, it's just missing the dinosaurs. <laughs> um, and apparently, there's like some Jurassic Park tours that you can go on. Mm. I think you can go through the the gate on like the jeeps. I think there's even a helicopter tour, but I don't think I'm down for that. Yeah, no. I'm good on I'll I'm good on helicopters. <laughs> Stay on stick the ground. To being grounded, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I think what I mean, I, I first and foremost, I, I love everything of the design of the park. I love the logo. I love the, the logo is iconic. Yeah. I see so many jeeps with that logo yeah. on there. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, you see, you know, the the logo everywhere. The the look of of the the gate and mm. of you know their their buildings on the park. Um, setting I, I think it all looks beautiful looks perfect um and again it, it all kind of especially that gate reminds me of king kong mm -hmm. um so apparently during shooting during production there was a massive hurricane oh. um i don't know if i'm gonna pronounce it right hurricane aniki came during shooting and stopped production mm -hmm. it was a category five hurricane and it mm -hmm. lasted for nine hours wow. and the eye of the storm literally passed over them wow and so they were all like in one building and they're like in the basement and everybody's down there together. Mm -hmm. um, and the eye of the storm literally passes over them. And um, excuse me, it was the ballroom of the hotel. That's where they were. And I guess Richard Attenborough. Basement sounded better. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it, it safer. Makes, well, it sounds safer, yeah. <laughs> but ballrooms, I guess it's big enough to hold everybody. But apparently Richard Attenborough was like asleep through the whole thing he's like oh there was a hurricane <laughs> that'd be me yeah. <laughs> that's totally me <laughs> yeah just a funny funny story but also scary to think that you know this happened during production and it was that bad of a hurricane and they i saw some footage they walk out and it's just everything's Trashed. fucked up yeah. yeah that sucks yeah I'd be pissed mm -hmm. as a pa or something you know like, or like what are we supposed to do now <laughs> great <laughs> it's canceled right like <laughs> um but no they they go on and yeah yeah the costume design was pretty cool too mm -hmm. i mean i like the fact that he's um the doctor um, or not the doctor but the the main oh hammond yeah. hammond i like that he's wearing you know like the all white mm -hmm. um kind of outfit you got the and, cane mm -hmm. yeah, yeah i like his whole ensemble yeah, yeah. um and just everybody's outfits kind of fit yeah. their personality yeah, yeah, pretty totally. perfectly yeah and like um jeff goldblum ian malcolm he's a rock star he's, rock star. Um, he's got the button down is he wearing leather pants i think so and he's all yeah. black you yeah know. <laughs> yeah no it's it's great i love mm -hmm. it definitely the costumes are great um and i mean we already talked about the visual effects uh, but you know yeah. to to reiterate some of the most believable and still they still hold up yeah totally they do um, and I think the combination of, because there are practical effects, I know that the um, stop motion animators were still kept on to uphold a certain realism to the body movements. And there was a little this, more texture, probably. And there was new technology actually built for the film to mm. maintain body movement um, authenticity to some kind of, I forget what it was called, but it's some kind of tech to control, like, it's almost like every bone in them. It's like their skeleton, almost. And so, even even with CG, 
Yeah, essentially, it's something like that, but it, it applied to the CG and enabled that kind of consistency of realism. Yeah. Um, and as, as well as to make their skin look correct, even in CG, mm. um, you know, things like that. So, um, I mean, the blend of the two just... Yeah, I think that's important Yeah. with these kinds of movies. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so what makes the classics like really uh, stand out. Mm-hmm. From all the rest, mm-hmm. I mean, in some of the visual effects, like you can you can kind of tell now watching it now, mm. it still looks great for CGI. Yeah, I feel like you can tell a little bit, but the ones where they blend a little bit of both, I can't tell yeah. the difference yeah. really. And as well as you know, like some moments where they're maybe they're eating somebody, there's always some kind of trick here. It's like you know, there's like a bush in the way at the right moment, or like mm. you know, the the, yeah, the cut smart. comes soon enough to take away from focus yeah um so they're very creative to yeah. yeah to keep that realism alive um so i think what about covers all the categories here that we're analyzing yeah um, um so do you want to let's sum up our thoughts on the film sure to close it out uh yeah so i again i'll say i think this is probably my favorite Spielberg film. Wow. Um, which really? which is bold. Favorite? But I think wow. I think it is because it A it's, it's hard to choose. A it's the one I've seen the most. Mm, um Yeah. No question there. It's uh, argue it's in the argument for the film I've seen the most, period. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, I, I look watching it even the other day, I love it all the same. Yeah. And I think bec- it's it's because it involves genres that I'm so in love with when it yeah. comes to horror, fantasy, sci-fi. I mean, the fact that it blends all of those together, I think, mm. is kind of tailor-made for my taste. Um, the groundbreaking visual effects, the score from John Williams. Mm. I pay a lot of attention to film scores. I listen to them all the time when I'm writing, when I'm working, when I'm studying, whatever, what have you, when I'm driving. I, even when I'm working out sometimes, I'll listen to film scores. So <laughs> this is one that I do go back to a lot. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of them, the cues that I'll put on and, and remember. Um, so, and they bring me back to the film. They, they, this, this one does bring me back to different scenes in the film and I can see them in my head just by hearing the music. So yeah. there's that, the performances. I mean, I love it so much. So it's one that I'll endlessly rewatch every year. And, uh, you know, the sequels, I'm not as in love with. I, I mean, I haven't read... I don't know how many books are actually being adapted here, but um, what I'll say is I do get little things that I like out of each of them. I'll continue to watch them and appreciate things about them. Maybe the story doesn't always appeal to me. I, I have problems with the story at times, especially in some of the recent ones, but, you know, I'm, I'm still pretty in awe of a lot of the visuals that we get um you know and then the, the nostalgia of the score being brought brought in and you know I, i'm here for it i'll continue to watch them but this original is the one that will always be my favorite and yeah certainly it's one that i can talk about for a while i really love it yeah i think it's everybody's favorite right mm-hmm. <clears throat> um yeah i i love it i don't know which spielberg is my favorite but you make a really good point I mean, just the the blend of all the styles that I'm really interested in. Mm-hmm. 
is it should be enough for it to become my favorite <laughs> out of all his yeah. uh, films. Uh, and yeah, I just love how fun this movie is. Yeah. You know, and it, every time it just, the pacing's great. It just walks you through everything pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And it's a thrill from start to finish. And so that's why we had to pick it as the first of our summer blockbuster Spielberg. kind of Spielberg movie season yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah um so with that i guess that'll conclude our episode on jurassic park we're glad to be back discussing some of our favorite films and we're looking forward to the seasons to come and look out for the episode next month in july where we'll be diving into jaws yeah So uh, you can keep up with our social media for any new updates on the podcast and any new content to come your way. Marty, what is your handle? Or remind everybody. Yeah, you can find me um, uh, on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, if you're on Letterboxd, all at Marty Ibarra C. That's Marty with a Y, Ibarra with an I. Yeah, and see, I would give you guys my handle, but I honestly am not very active on it, so... She's not. You know, you could follow me on there, but I'd be pretty disappointing, (laughs) to be honest with you. But um, instead, you can just follow the CineSurvey Mm -hmm. handles, and that is just at the CineSurvey. Yeah, I think it's different. Uh, um, So on Instagram, we're... You can find us at the underscore CineSurvey, and on Twitter, it's just CineSurvey. Right. So follow both. Look out for posts. We'll be posting more so on on our, on our on the actual posts and on the stories and different things to talk about and what's going on with new releases. We're going to have some written articles coming out more so as the year continues to move along now that we're back. Right. Um, I got some ideas for some ongoing... Um, surveys on in written form to to look at certain topics so i'm going to be coming out with more um as we move along here but yeah we're we're continuing with summer through july and june uh excuse me through july and august sticking with spielberg and uh, for now we'll just let you know his jaws coming up next right and definitely follow marty he does some neat little story posts on his instagram on whatever he's watching and he watches a lot so Good little snippets, little insight on uh, movies you guys may be interested in watching. Please do. So, all right. Thank you guys for listening. And until next time, cheers. Cheers.